Now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 it's Michael here with Oilers Live for another Tuesday edition of Oilers Live Tuesdays. Actually, that's, uh, that's great. What other day would it be? I mean, there's never been a Wednesday edition of Oilers Live Tuesdays. Uh, I have got a uh, guest co-host today, uh, Mr. Dash himself. And on the line, we've got Low Tide joining us uh, from his voca- vacation uh, somewhere. Somewhere probably tropical, I'm sure. Uh, thanks for joining us. I, I, I'm not in a topical location. Just <laughs> I, I don't like to lie to people right off the hop. So. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing tropical. Oh, well. Well, I mean, dare to dream, right? I guess uh, we're not. Um, I, I heard uh, flights to Guatemala today. I heard we're, we're cheap. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm heading back soon to uh, your neck of the woods. And let me tell you, flying is not cheap right now. Oh, man. It is, <laughs> it is something else. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, taking some time away from your uh, vacation schedule and, and joining us today. There's, um, you know, Oilers off season, I guess, is probably if you're going to uh, take time and, and uh, talk hockey while you're on on a, on a holiday, probably off season's the best because you don't have the necessarily all the yelling and screaming fans. And we're kind of at a low point right now. I'd say with, um, I think the latest move and unless if I missed something today is the cuckoo signing. Is that right? Well, you didn't hear about the big trade. <laughs> I did not hear about the big trade. I think the cuckoo one is the, the latest one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. I, you know, I, um, I, when I booked you on the show, I thought, wow, well, you know what, it's, it's off season. You just never know what's going to happen. And, and we really kind of had a slow, Slow week of uh, of news, Oilers news, which you know can be a bit of a break as a fan, right? I mean, um, when I think when I think about you, and I think about you know the what the you know the lowdown, the one thing that always comes to mind is your rant that you did about I want to say five years ago. Uh, the Oilers had a poor game, and yet you went on a you know one to five minute rant that kind of went viral. And, uh, and I always think like, it's kind of, it's, we've had some frustrating times as a fan, as fans. And right about now is, is the one time as an Oilers fan where, well, not everybody agrees on everything, but it doesn't feel as stressful to be an Oilers fan. I I wish that were true. And I hope it's true, but I, (laughs) based on the people I talk to and the, what I see online, uh, I, I think that, that. Oiler fans are some Oiler fans, not everybody, uh, but those who pay close attention to it, in my opinion, are really not necessarily at a breaking point, but but are are at a point now where everything the Oilers do uh, is not just under a microscope, but but unlikely to um, move the needle in a positive way. I I find, uh, and I'm not being critical. I, I'm more observing uh, Oiler fans than than being overly critical. I just think they're they're at their end of their rope where they feel like uh, this has been 15 years of investment. Uh, where's the where's the result? And that's one of the reasons why I think that, that we'll see a very aggressive. Uh, we saw an aggressive Ken Holland this summer. 
And I think we'll see an aggressive Ken Holland during the year if it comes to it. How hard do you think, you know, you say that now and I, and I've having had the chance to witness Ken Holland over the last, you know, couple of years, uh, he is, he is probably one of the most patient men when it comes to building a team that you could find. How hard do you think it is for him to, to make that switch? That's a great question. Uh, you know, one thing I find interesting about Holland is, is he does what he says he's going to do. You know, I, I, we, we got to look at him when he was looking for a goaltender a couple of years ago. And he was very much after the, the fellow that, that Calgary ended up at. But as soon as, as, soon as he was unable to secure uh, him, he checked down very quickly, I think, to Hodobin. And then it ended up being Mike Smith uh, that he signed. And I, it's funny because I, I, I think that Holland is, does a lot of pre-preparation uh, uh, and is very prepared once he goes in. But he had a lot to do this year, and then he got thrown a, a curveball in Adam Larson. And I, I, I believe that that, that one move probably uh, it was difficult, was very difficult for him to overcome in real time. And we'll see what, what, whether or not what he did was enough, but I think that really threw the organization off. I think they believed Adam Larson was going to sign in Edmonton. No doubt. Yeah, I, and I I would suggest you know when you saw any insiders or anybody like that, it just seemed like a, it almost felt like a sure thing. And um, you know when the uh, when the Vegas or Vegas <laughs> wrong expansion team when the Seattle <laughs> signing came in. I, uh, I thought, um, yeah, I, I mean, I was, I was in, in a bit of shock myself. I, you know, I'm kind of curious. I'd, I'd like your take on this because I like, I love Adam Larson. think he's a, you know, a hell of a player. Uh, you know, when you hear other, other players talk about him, how big of a loss do you think he is to this defensive core? I mean, that's kind of the big question now, right? Um, you know, and, and one of the questions, I mean, when you, I guess when you, when I did say, you know, we've, we're kind of in a bit of a lull right now and, and there's not as much complaining, even there were even some complaints about the cuckoo signing, which, um, you know, it seemed a little bit hard, but how important do you feel he was to this defensive core? He was very important. The, the only issue really was health. And, but this past year he was dynamite. Uh, in answer to how much they're going to miss him, this is going to be the worst answer I ever give, but I don't know. And I'll tell you why. Because the way Holland set up this team is, is the forwards, they have three lines worth of really good forwards. And I don't think the fourth line is going to be, you know, crummy either. And so, I, I, you know, forwards are a big part of the results and pushing results. And the defense are all pretty much good at getting the puck up to the forwards. So when I say I don't know, I, I, I'm reminded of that old Sutter, uh, uh, Daryl Sutter saying that basically is in this league today, you don't defend and, and you, you do obviously, but the idea is the puck is, you know, being retrieved and sent up quickly and smartly past that of the zone, as you saw Tampa Bay do uh, during the playoffs. And you're not really playing defense as much. If the owners can do that enough, then I think they won't miss Larson as much. The problem is that that they've been so chaotic defensively for so long that that a guy like Larson 
on an Oilers team that has some gaps defensively has been so obviously important that that I think fans and observers put extra importance on that guy. He was a good suppression defender. He was just filthy in the in uh, the, the the high slot and along the wall. I slashed and cross-checked, and Duncan Keith can do that, but Larson is a younger man, and he has more fuel. And, and so I think they'll miss him, and if they play as much defense as they have the last four or five years, they're really going to miss him. But I, but I do believe that Holland has created a roster that might not play defense as much in terms of the game action as they have in the past because of the forwards and the good puck movers on the blue line. Evan Bouchard is going to be a, a big <laughs> player here, I think. Yeah, and, and do you think Bouchard, you think he's going to get the, the shot that everybody thought he should get last year? I mean, is, I, I mean, it looks pretty obvious to us, but, you know, last year looked like he, I mean, I, don't, I didn't su- suspect he'd be a full-timer last year, but you certainly thought he'd play more than he did. Well, he played, there were 10 games he played in from early February to the end of February, and, and I think March 1st, where he played like 10 games, and he was really good. I think his expected goals were around 50%, maybe 46 47% five-on-five uh, five goal differential, and his shot differential was 55%. Uh, right at the beginning of that period, he had a great game. Um, I think it was against Ottawa, where, where he uh, he sent a, just a gorgeous floater shot pass that Yesa Pugliarvi, uh deflected into the net. Uh, it was the second goal Pugliarvi scored that night. He scored a, another goal on a McDavid feed that was gorgeous as well. But Bouchard, in that game, he did several things, including making a, a, a nice dish to McDavid, and it caught McDavid off guard. He wasn't expecting it. And and I think if, if they can survive, the de- and, and this is tough, because young defensemen make mistakes, if they can survive that, then they're going to have a guy who is, who's not just helpful, but he's a dynamic passer, and, and he sees the game very well. And, and even at five-on-five, five, he can get those flutter balls in from the point, and they're great for tipping. The example I gave was Bulliarby, but there are others. I, I think he's going to add a lot to this team offensively, I don't know how much he'll help defensively, especially in year one. And I say that understanding that Tyson Berry also has some issues in that area. Michael, you mind if I jump in and ask a question here? I I think um, I really, a couple things pop out for me here. I think, um, and and I've got two questions, if that's okay. Uh, The first one's quick. If, if Larson didn't resign, and I think it's pretty widely expected that he, he was going to, um, you know, it's out there that J.P. Barry had stopped discussions months before. Do you, do you think it was a mistake for Ken Holland to not have a plan B in place and just to have that expectation? I think that's fair, for sure. Uh, I, I think that, that, that uh, you always want to have a backup plan. And I think his backup plan was Tyson Barry. But I, my suspicion is that emotionally they'd moved past Barry and had decided on, on Larson and Bear would be a part of that. And so I, I think the, the concern I have is, is I think it's, it's like, a, a, I don't know if you've ever been in a business or in a relationship that goes sideways, you're both young men, maybe that hasn't happened to you, where, where it's almost like you're, you're watching the whole thing unravel and it started in one spot and you're like, damn, I wish I could go back there. Because the, the Larson signing brings Tyson Berry here and then that gets 
Ethan Bear traded to Carolina for a third line left winger. So you're trading a second pair right defenseman for a third line winger, who I really like, by the way, in Fogel. So I, yeah. I think it's fair to say that. And then the domino not, falls for CC and it continues, right? Right. Uh, so I think it's fair to say that that um, Holland probably had CC, or I'm sorry, Barry is the backup plan, but but all the tumblers that clicked after that, they're, they're awkward. And, and, like, and I say this, and I'm going to be sincere here, because one of the things I don't like is when people say, oh, that guy, I could do better. I really respect Ken Holland as a GM and Dave Tippett as a coach. But I, I, I have a difficult time putting this defense on the ice and, and having success with it. And I know part of that is because I saw CeCe in Ottawa. And part of it is yeah. that, I, that Tyson Berry has real chaos to his game. So I could be wrong. I've talked to people in Pittsburgh who said that CC is a different player now. So maybe he is. But I, I, I think your your point that you made about, you know, Holland's backup plan um, maybe needed to be more airtight or maybe he needed to have a better option for Larson replacement than Cody CC. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, you know, from what I understand and have read and seen, I think Cody Cece played some sheltered minutes as well, right? It wasn't first pairing like he was previously in Ottawa and Toronto. Uh, you know, starting on the third pairing, moving to the second pairing, his minutes went from 23 down to 17. I think it's pretty widely accepted that we've got to keep anybody not named Darnell Nurse closer to 20 minutes or under. Um, you know, and that's a fantastic segue and you're a true professional for my second question. Um you know, the Edmonton Oilers have been a fantastic team off the rush and, and very effective at creating, you know, high event opportunities. And I think, in my opinion, anyways, our, our D has taken a, a bit of a step back as far as possession metrics, um, you know, and potentially with the loss of Larson and Bear and replacing those with Keats and CC. And, um, you know, I, I know those were on other the analytics from while well, they played on other teams when it comes to Keith and CC, but, um, neither of these two have had a good possession numbers or good defensive or percentage since 2016. And, you know, I think as it sits right now, I did some math, uh, our top six with their stats from last year had 280 giveaways and 50 takeaways. So, um, my question that I stumbled into here is how much do you think that additions of, of Hyman and, uh, Fogel and Derek Ryan, and maybe a, an uptick from Yamamoto, who's another dog on a bone can, can maybe give us that other dynamic and, and can it either cover for our defense or, or can, how does that complement our, our team being good off the rush? Well, I, I think that, that you've made a great point there because I think they're, they're, the forwards are, are so good now. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're Derek Ryan is a hell of a player. He might yeah. not be a third line guy, but when he's on the ice, good things happen in Carolina and in Calgary. So whenever he plays, and, and I think it's fair to say if McDavid and Dreisaitl are your top two centers, then the third line center maybe doesn't play as much as a normal one does. So I think mm -hmm. Ryan might fit there. I like what they do there. I like Hyman a lot. I think the price was expensive, but I like him a lot because I see him as being a guy who can think the game really well and, and also play a, a very physical game and turnover pucks, almost like a, a right-handed, younger, faster Patrick Maroon is how I, I view him. And and I think that's going to be a really good match. So, like, that, that's sort of what I 
I don't know. And I, I it, it's interesting you brought it up because I, I have these two railroad, tr- you know, trains coming down the railroad tracks. And one is like, it's going to be a high octane offense. Like these guys are going to fly. Fire wagon. Yeah, we, exactly. McDavid's going to come off the ice and, and everybody's going to be exhausted on the other side. And then Drysaddle's line's going to go crazy. And then Ryan's going to go out there with Fogel and, and Cassian or Archibald or whomever. And they'll probably have some success. So, you know, two minutes into the game, tongues are going to be, you know, wagging on the other side. Uh, and, and there's going to be some tiredness already building. But on the other side, Defensively, I think the Oilers are 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 almost um, as they're almost as likely to give up as much as they they accomplish. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think we're going to have like nineteen eighties hockey. The only thing I will say is, and and I mean this sincerely, Dave Tippett knows what he's what he has. I mean, they, they traded Ethan Bear, who was was late in the game. Often you'd seen you would see. Uh, Dave Tippett pair nurse with bear because he knew that 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 pairing is really effective against elites more effective than than Barry so he knows what he's gotten into and so he knows it's a high risk operation and that he's going to be asking a lot of his goaltender and he has to have signed off on this so my question is what does he and what does Playfair see in this defense and I know they're mobile and and I, I will tell you that I've seen some some analytics on Duncan Keith that suggest he's far better as a puck mover even now than than the the regular numbers show. He's really good with the puck. Your question, yeah. your question might have been facetious, but can I take a stab at answering that, anyways? Sure. It, it was interesting to hear Peter DeBoer uh, talking to Struddy the other day because you know he had mentioned that one of the biggest trends he's seen in the NHL and in his homework and trying to stay relevant was that, you know, in order to beat the trap that that was instituted for the last decade and more, it was to bring that fourth or that fourth player up with the three forwards, right. And having that four man rush. Um, do you not think that Holland and Tippett perhaps recognize that trend as well and, and see that, you know, stocking nurse who is a good puck mover, but also with five other potential puck movers, that that is what complements this team being good off the rush. I, I can agree with that totally. My only concern is a guy like Keith, who does pinch a lot, his foot speed isn't such that he can recover. So is is that why they signed CC? I I, I don't know. Um, you know, Bouchard is is a I love him as a player. I'm a big fan, uh, but he's not a fast train. And and th- there's a play that you have to make as a defenseman where you you force the forward to shoot the puck in from the blue line, and then you have to beat him. You have to turn around and beat yeah. him back to the puck and i think that's going to be a, a a challenge for bouchard so those things are you're absolutely right i just the 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 idea is there i just wonder a little bit about the population that they brought in brought in <laughs> that and and i like i don't know like i'm i'm not one of those people who just pronounces that i know or that this is the way it is or they're all dummies i like to try to think along with the gm and the coach and and I'll I'll admit that I'm I'm a little flummoxed by by the the personnel brought in to play the game I think they're going to play because I think you're right I think they're I think their plan is to be in the defensive zone very little at five on five because they're moving the puck and 
And look, I, I think a lot of the things that they did last year or the year before, since Tippett arrived, are really smart. Like they, they're better at getting out of their own zone. They yep. do use uh, uh, better. Uh, d- their defensive passes are better. Darnell Nurse has improved tremendously. There's less uh, number of, of passes that are in the in the skates or or a little bit high or too strong. He's got real touch on his passes now, and they're tape to tape. He's improved a lot in the last couple of years. Bouchard is really good at that. Bear was really good at that. Uh, Keith is, I think going to really surprise people at how good he is at it. And Tyson Berry is obviously very skilled too. So they've got a lot of that. I, I worry a little bit about foot speed and I worry a little bit about recovery. Like if Duncan Keith has you in the corner, you're going to feel it because he, he yeah. uses a stick and he's physical. I, I, I just wonder about the foot speed and especially on things like pinches, as you mentioned, I think that's where, you know, I I've seen video of Keith where he's pinching and it's jailbreak and you're in trouble. And I wonder how you overcome that. Yeah. So, so curious. I mean, they, um, I mean, we keep talking about Keith. It keeps going back to Keith. The, I think the underlying thing was that uh, Holland wanted to get some experience on this team. Right. Like when you look at the team and in the past year's performances, was that a glaring problem for this team or like is that something that you know it's worth worth the expense to get Keith uh, when they did and make sure you you lock him up I'm going to give you my Felipe Alou answer okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> Felipe Alou somebody asked him this is years Love ago it. when he was a manager of the Expos and and they asked him about you know do you do you need to acquire you know a, a, a veteran down the stretch and he said, you know, the only time anybody ever asks me these questions is when we're losing. And, and I think there's something to that, where losing teams are mm-hmm. always casting about saying, these guys are losers, but we're going to go get good players and they'll be winners. And, and I, I, I think it's, I could be wrong because I'm not there, but I do think it's overblown a little bit. And, and with regard to Duncan Keith, I, I think, from what we heard, I think the players were all thrilled to get him. But I do think there's a possibility, and I'll say this now in case I'm right and then I can brag, that he might end up being a third-pairing defender and and maybe, maybe Bouchard and his partner end up being the second-pairing defenders uh, just because I think that, that, you know, he's an older player. And I know he was playing 23 minutes a night last year. But I still think that there are there are some things that they're going to need that maybe he's not able to provide, and so leadership might be a part of it. I can't speak to it specifically, but I think I think it might be in the case like of the Oilers, who are a team that that I think they're they're pushing hard and they got a lot of skill. I think that that need for a guy might be a little bit overrated. That's my opinion. Well, I think yeah. Ken Holland's invested a lot in experience and intangibles right now. Hey, like it's, it's, you know, a lot of people would agree that he's put some risks out there and, and some gambles. And I think one of them is expecting the youth to take another step. I think like he's, he's in order for this to work, I think Lagason or Bouchard or, or somebody there has to take another step forward. I completely agree. Well, I think with Bouchard, uh, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that Bouchard is going to going to have a good year this year. And I think as long as they're patient with him, I, I think Evan Bouchard is going to 
Absolutely. I, I'm not saying 40 points, but I'm saying even with second carrying power play, 35 plus, he's he's very good. And his his improvement in the AHL from the first to the second half when he was down there in 2019-20 is an underrated part of his story. The the other thing is, and, and I don't know the answer here, uh, I want to know how they're going to rotate the wings because on the right side, you've got Yamamoto and Pugliarvi, who, who have had really good months and, and half seasons. And in Pugliarvi's case, he's had a full good season now. And then you've got Holloway, who I think they're very high on, uh, on the left side, who doesn't have a spot now. But if you moved Hyman to right wing, then you moved Holloway up, you might be able to, to accommodate him, Holloway, in the top, top three wings. So I want to see how that all works out. I, my own belief is we're going to see fewer young players on this team moving forward, but they'll all be well-baked in Bakersfield, and they'll all be really good players. I don't think that – I think the fringe players, the Archibalds, are going to continue to be the Archibalds, but but I think that when they bring a guy up, like uh, maybe a Lebois or a Savoy or a Holloway or a Bargo, they're going to be a pretty substantial plug-and-play. Well, you know, I think that's one of the nice things the Oilers have going for them this year, say versus last year where you had the taxi squad, right? Is you, now, now we've got a chance to see some of these guys maybe for a one or a two game stint yeah. and not worry about them sitting and, and resting on the sidelines for a whole season, right? I, like how big of a difference does that make on the defense where, you know, you've got Legacy and you've got, who knows, like I haven't heard much on Broberg, but you know, maybe when Samarukov, maybe or Samarukov. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about this defensive, uh, you know, set of prospects for, for a couple of years now. And obviously we've, you know, we've lost out on two, I think big names with, uh, Caleb and Ethan going, but there's still some good names. Legacy really surprised. I think everyone last year. I think the guy to watch for this training camp is probably Samarukov because he, he, uh, you know, he struggled in the AHL in 1920, but he had a, a, a tremendous year in the KHL. And I, I, don't, I don't watch the KHL, but it <clears> might <throat> have been that he was being Zoomed by his partner in a really good team. But his, his on-ice goal differentials at, at even strength were, were monumental. I think it was like second in the league among defensemen. And if that's real, then we're talking about a guy. Remember when Ethan Bear surprised everybody a couple of years ago, right? And he like he wasn't even I think it was Joel Person who was going to be the the right side third pairing guy. Bear plays opening night. Larson gets mm-hmm. hurt. He moves up with uh, Darnell Nurse, and I think he stayed there for the entire year. So you know that's a that's a great point you make because we might be anticipating something, and and one of the kids might come in and make the point move and, and just grab that job, and and then we're not talking about anything but the new guy and the veterans that are around him. Well, I think Sam Rukov plays that style that's closer to Larson too, right? To quote our friend Dave Jameson, he plays angrier than a mongoose poised to strike. So it'd be <laughs> nice to have that guy step up other than, uh, you know, just to have that, that element back in the, in the top six. Well, he's filthy. Like he's, he's a really good open ice hitter. Uh, and we always haven't had one of those. Well, Jeff Smith, but there are other guys since then. Uh, Pronger was pretty good, but uh, I, I think not bad. I, I think he does have <laughs> that kind of skill, 
uh, set. I think he is that kind of guy. You, you you worry about a rookie, but he's also he's he's a big man and he skates pretty well. So and then Broberg, I think the only thing I'll say about Broberg is um, I, I talked to I talked to Mike Zinger, who's a, a former Oiler goaltender who does radio uh, color over in Sweden, and then. I talked to people who saw Broberg in the bubble here, and then I saw him a little bit at the World Juniors. And he seems to be a different player in North America than he is in Sweden. And we know Sweden plays a different style. So I, I, I would suggest we shouldn't expect anything out of Broberg, but he does seem to have a North American feel to his game. And I know that the Oilers were raving about him in the bubble, and that was two summers ago, boys. Yeah. So, he resembles uh, Clefbaum a little bit, where he just does everything above average. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a great uh, he's a great skater going straight, and he skates backwards really well. Uh, he moves well. He's got more skill than I think he showed in the SHL, and it's exactly like Clefbaum. I mean, honest to God, everything mm-hmm. I just said about Roberg yeah. is exactly about what we said about Clefbaum before he yeah. got here. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think um, I think we've got uh, an exciting team like it's going to look you know, pretty good offensively, obviously. I mean, nobody seems to argue that point, uh, you know, having Hyman on that. Everybody just talks so highly of him. I can't wait to see, you know, what he brings to that top line. Do you think that, um, you know, I mean, because we only saw snippets of it. You think that second pair, second line of uh, RNH, Yamamoto, and and Drysital can uh, regain some of that glory they had while McDavid was gone? Yeah, I think they can. I think Nuge kind of got lost a little bit last year, and and I don't I, I don't know why. I've watched Nuge's whole career, and he's a very smart player. Uh, I don't know whether he lost confidence or maybe he had a wrist injury that nobody talked about or something. But he just wasn't snapping the shot off. Towards the end, he did. Towards the end of the year, he, he was getting it off better. I think he scored a playoff goal. It was a nice one. But he he didn't seem to be, you know, having the impact with the puck on his stick as a shooter at five-on-five. Five. And then Yamamoto, I'm convinced he was hurt. He got two goals in his last 27 games after scoring six or seven in his first 27. And, and you know, that can be luck. But it, it, and he was playing well. But he just wasn't getting uh, the the looks that he had been getting earlier in the year, and he wasn't taking advantage when he got them. Drysaddle's a freak. I mean, I don't know what to say about Drysaddle. You know, every year, every year I say Leon Drysaddle's safe or uh, shooting percentage is going to go down this year by this much, and every year he just goes, "Well, to hell with that noise. I'm going to shoot 17 percent." So from behind the net. Yeah, I know. I mean, and, and and so I don't make I don't make any predictions on him anymore. Except I'm just going to watch him play and enjoy because he's a, uh, you know, honestly, McDavid is such a great player, but in a lot of ways, Leon is the bull, and and there's a personality the Oilers have when Leon's playing Leon hockey that I think if they if they can play Leon hockey in the playoffs. They're going to go a long way because he's a bull. He will not be stopped. He sets that jaw and he just puts that big butt in there, gets the puck and makes plays. He's a brilliant hockey player. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, 
I'd like to switch gears and ask you about goaltending quickly, if that's okay. And it's more uh, on the draft. I know you had uh, both Sebastian Kossa and uh, Jesper Wallstad kind of back to back in your rankings at 18 and 19. Um, you know, clearly uh, Steve Eiserman and, and Holland, both organizations that have very keen eyes on Sweden. Why, why do you suppose they both passed on, on Wallstead? Well, I think, you know, Wallstead is very highly rated. Uh, by uh, just about everybody, I, I think he was. I think he was ahead of Kosa on almost every list. And uh, Kosa is. I, I, I think the idea of Kosa with his size. I talked to a few people who know goaltending far better than I do. Uh, and th- what they like about Kosa is his lateral movement and the fact that he doesn't open up a- a- as much or as long as most long goaltenders uh and, and then the, the second thing is that even though his you know his glove is very good but he's got room to improve and and when i asked people about wallstead what i heard was that he is already like at the at the outer edges of his ability uh and and he might not be the kind of goaltender who improves a great deal doesn't mean he's not going to have a long career mm. but they didn't necessarily feel like he was going to be as projected into the future as as improving a great deal more overall ceiling right and and so but the thing about goaltenders is i mean who knows right like uh you know when 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 the orders didn't draft carter hart uh i know a lot of other fans were were absolutely angry and have been angry about it most of the days since and then hart had a, a a very difficult year this year and one assumes and one hopes he recovers, but goaltenders are funny that way. They, they're, they're not, you know, consistency eludes goaltenders, even really good ones at times. So we'll see. I, 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 I like the guy that drafted, I'll be honest. I, I had Borgo on my list higher than either of the goalies. And, and I, again, I feel like this is several times in the, in the period since uh, uh, Wright and Holland got here, where they've, they've really gone after a shooter. And Savoy is one, Lavoie is another, uh, and this Borgo guy doesn't shoot a lot, but he's a he's a marksman. He's got a high, I think he's 20% or more in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League over the last two years. They seem to be trying to acquire future shooters for McDavid and Dreisaitl. And for that, I think it's good because you can only get those guys in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Well, hey, thanks so much. I, I appreciate you answering those questions. I, I'm a big fan for a long time, Mr. Mitchell, and we've got some things in common that I could talk for another hour about, but we'll, uh, <laughs> well, we'll pass it over. Boys. to Have me back. Uh, your, show is, your show is getting more and more popular. So, uh, uh, you know, I need the help. And I know, your <laughs> guests, <laughs> I know your guests are very good. And now, are you both from Saskatchewan? Well, I'm I'm from Edmonton, born and raised, but I I've got roots there, like most Albertans. <laughs> and I've been in Edmonton for 16 years now, but uh, yeah, I, I was raised in in uh, Winyard, Saskatchewan, and spent some time in Regina at U of R before I came here. So, how many how many golf courses have you played without without like grass on the greens? 
Oh, uh, it, well, for sure at Greenwater Lake. That was where I, I, I grew up with a, a good friend of mine, Todd. We had a cabin right down from Wendell Clark and a few guys up there near Calvington. Oh, and that was uh, where I spent five years golfing on, on the sand greens. <laughs> it, it, it's a feeling like, to me, Saskatchewan is, is bow or pill uh yeah. golfing on on those greens where people go nice shot like you're like how can you tell <laughs> there's a whole lot of people that don't know what bow is but uh <laughs> oh, <well laughs> yeah if you're from there you definitely know yeah. oh for sure room temperature bow as it were <laughs> and i'll tell you i'll tell you a lesson i learned the summer of 1993 was uh when you're a wayne gretzky fan you don't go and ask wendell clark uh how the playoffs went uh, that following summer, <laughs> yeah. because whether you're 15 years old or 45, he crushed my hand like I was an ant. Uh, <laughs> boys, be good. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. thanks so much for joining us tonight. And that's Low Tide joining us uh, from his vacation home. I think at home. <laughs> Appreciate uh, him uh, taking the time to uh, to join us and. Thanks, Dash, for uh, co-hosting with me today. We're going to stick around and talk some more hockey. I, I think um, one of the things I was going to ask him, and we, and um, I only asked him on for a half hour tonight, but uh, and given given that it's his holidays, I think that's fair. <laughs> uh, no I've been thinking about this, which is the, um, you know, we've got Koskinen now in Edmonton and you know lots has been made this year with Friedman saying you know some teams some players are talking about you know the uh, toxicity of uh, Twitter of social media of all of these things and uh, I can't help but um, but wonder you know how is it that uh, you know a um, a guy like uh, Koskinen is handling right now what really seems to be everybody hating him <laughs> in, yeah in excellent Town. excellent thought hey because you know we've already had rumored players like bear and, and larson maybe want to move on from a city like this because of the pressure you get right and uh i've been interested to see how he answers that um i can't imagine if i'm Nico koskin and i feel very good about it but uh, i think you know all in all I'm not sure Koskinen is our backup this upcoming season anyways, Michael. I, I really still kind of feel like Staloc may, may grab that from him depending on how things go. And I see uh, maybe a need for three goalies this year, given the condensed schedule and, and the length of it and the Olympic break and the all-star break. There's twice as many back-to-backs this year as there was last season. You know, there's longer travel. There's no more taxi goalies. You know, we've got goalies in our late 30s. I don't know, man. I, I see... I yeah, I'm still is. really curious about Staylock. I mean, there was something made of him having some heart problems after COVID, I think was one of the rumors that I'd heard. And and I mean, we're going to see, we, we didn't see any of him, right? I mean, he was perfectly capable backup would be perfectly capable to Mike Smith. Uh, but the other, you know, point is, um, look, two seasons ago, like a season removed from Koskinen having a hell of a season. Right. Yeah. And then, a season removed from that of him having, you know, <laughs> like a no glove hand, right? Uh, yeah. Practically uh, nothing there. And, and um, look, uh, low tide said it, right? Goalies are, uh, you know, up and down. They're, you know, hardly consistent. I, I'm, I'm kind of, 
you know, I, I mean, there's lots to be thought of in terms of, you know, which Koskinen shows up this year, right? Yeah, uh, I think a lot's to be said about uh, the way that Schwartz has handled him as a goaltending coach as well, you know, and, and what that has to do with it. Because, you know, whether Koskinen came from the KHL, you know, he won two championships. He lifted that trophy two out of the last four years before he came. Now, whether he was playing on Vladimir Putin's all-star team that didn't have to abide by the salary cap, well, that's whatever. Maybe that's irrelevant. But he he came over being a different type of goalie. And, and you know, when you're in the NHL, there's a lot more chances uh, at a higher velocity. You get a lot more shots than you do in, in the European style and on the bigger ice surface. And, and you know, did that expose him a little bit? Or or did that, you know, did, did teams eventually on video figure out, you know, that that, that lateral movement that he has is, is, is a weakness? And in which case is that why Schwartz moved him to the back of the net? You know, he sits underneath his crossbar. Uh, there's a lot of games that a six foot seven goalie looks five foot ten. And I think, you know, is his glove hand exposed because he's playing so so deep in his net or, or, you know, did he not need that glove hand when he was in Russia because he actually, you know, came out and cut off the angle. Yeah. The Schwartz thing is such a, you know, enigma to me because uh, now having talked to, uh, well, Durst's friend there is a goalie, was a competitive goalie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Chad, Chad would tell you that the, you know, the goalie coach really doesn't have that much to do with how a goalie plays and, and Chad's played high level, high level hockey. Uh, and I've, you know what, I've heard that from a couple of other goalies. I would love to hear that from an NHL goalie though, and, and find out because you did, you know, Markstrom, for instance, uh, went over to, um, Calgary and, and there was talk about him missing his goalie coach, uh, you know, somewhat. And, and of course LA, um, they had, uh, was it uh, Belfour was the goalie coach, I think, for, for a while. And they seemed to be pumping out, jeez, um, I think it was Belfour. Uh, now I've got to look it up. But anyway, yeah. L.A. seemed to be pumping out good goaltending for a little while there. Uh, you know, and it just seems like certain teams uh, get the best out of their goalies uh, when you wouldn't expect it, right? Like uh, certain. Wasn't it Bill, Bill Ranford, maybe? No, it wasn't Ranford for sure. But it was definitely an ex-goalie. Uh, but we'll, you know, I will look it up and, um, you know, I, it, oh, it was Bill Ranford. There you go. I thought it was, I, I thought for some reason it was, uh, well, I got the B, right. <laughs> There's a B in there somewhere. That's Either right. way. Thanks for fact checking me. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm just, um, you know, I, I mean, a lot, I, 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 I want to get, like Schwartz on the show or a goaltender coach on the show and, and have them, you know, tell me like what they think their role is and how, on how well a goaltender plays. And, yeah. you know, and, and on flip side, I'd love to get a, you know, a NHL uh, caliber goalie on uh, and I'll respect the Chad, but a guy that's played in the show for sure, yeah. a few games and, and see what he thinks. You know, I mean, I, I, um, I know a couple, so I think that I will get, uh, we'll get them on, but look in Edmonton, you know, we've been complaining about this for years and I'd like to try to put something around that and kind of understand. I've got uh, Mike listening in on, uh, on Twitter and Periscope today. He says, uh, Montreal can the goalie coach and brought in Burke seemed to help price. I think, you know, I mean, does it right. I mean, we, you know, we don't really know, you know, and, um, 
goaltenders are. They're they're up and down. You, the elite ones, the ones that make the Hall of Fame, they're the only steady ones, right? There's not yeah. so many Vasilevskis there, but you know, look at uh, uh, Bennington, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, he took him to the <laughs> took him to the promised land, right? And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, from last place to the promised land, yeah, know. and. Um, I mean, there's got to be something to it, Michael. You know, you look at the history. Like, Ben Wilder was a goalie coach for Arizona when Sean Burke was still playing, right? And he's the one who who pushed him towards that you know, back-in-your-net, head-trajectory type of style of goaltending. And then Burke retires. And look at the goaltending factory he pushed out of Arizona. Everybody's – every Coyote goalie's been good, it seems, you know, or somehow. And yeah. You know, Ben Waller moves from Arizona to the Rangers, and, and look what he did for Lundqvist. Look what he did for Georgiev. Look what he's done for Shastrykin. Like, there's got to be something to it. Burke goes over to Montreal, and Carey Price starts to. So, uh, I don't know. You know, sometimes this is just the, the change of scenery, and you know, it's something you know, a different perspective, maybe. You know. I don't know. It's like when Adam Oates is a skills coach and he comes and takes that one little thing for you to focus on, you know, that different eye, maybe, you know, Burke comes over and goes, Hey, don't worry about all that other shit. Just do this. Yeah, I mean, it's got to do something, but does it have the effect that Oilers fans think it has? And, and yeah. frankly, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the boat that it does. <laughs> so that's, you yeah. know, having, having heard that, you know, having heard though, from some, from some goalies and, and they're proud. I mean, you, you know, as a skater, if you're a skater and you're out there and you're not going to give much credit to your skating coach either. Right. You're going to, you know, you take your own yeah. credit, right. You know, I did it. I, I, you know, I got out there and I, you know, made the necessary, sure. I had good coaching, but people will be Somebody a little bit selfish, work in. right. And, and uh, have a little bit of an ego, you know, I'm, I'm just curious. I'd, I'd like to sort of dial down into this and kind of, and check and, and, um, you know, I, you know, what I'd love to see is, um, some type of the athletic does those polls every year in terms of, you know, who's the best this I'd love yeah. to see them do a poll on who's the best goalie coach. Right. And, um, I mean, there's been some, uh, there's been some teams that just seem to consistently get good goaltending. Minnesota is one, right. I mean, they got yeah. out of, uh, out of Dubnik, what the Oilers just couldn't seem to get. Right. And we have, you, you we have know, been to a, your point. I think, I think Nashville and Phoenix fixed Dubnik first. Right. And that was Sean Burke and Nashville's yeah, goalie well, coach. Who's, um, was that Mitch, Mitch Corn or I, maybe that was, yeah, I'm not, I'm not well versed but, in who, who's who in the goalie coach world, but, um, I think I, uh, Mitch Corn was actually brought over by Trotz. It might've been their guy before that, but, but to your point, Nashville's another one, right? Yeah. Pushing out goalies. Just the thought really kind of gets me because we've, um, you know, I mean, they, uh, and, and Mike on, uh, on Twitter, he says a wealthy team like Edmonton should spend off the ice to the max, hire the top goalie coach available. Uh, obviously. Yeah. I mean, this is, um, this is an area that Oiler fans have been screaming for. They've been, uh, a lot of people have been talking about it and we, we've been other than sort of Smith's performance last year, right? Like, you know, we've been a bit of a goalie graveyard through the decade of oh, darkness, yeah. right? And and it well, and it would seem like we were a goalie graveyard, except that when when the goaltenders would leave Edmonton, they seemingly found their game, right? Exactly. And uh, and and 
guys would come to Edmonton, they play a good season, and then the following season they seem to, you know, yeah. beat it out of them. <laughs> I don't, I don't we, get. It. We haven't yeah. groomed a goaltender yeah. in house since Grant Fuhrer, Michael. Yeah. Like, what does that say? Yeah, right. We drafted Dumick in the first round. We had Delorier. We had. Yeah, Delorier is the one that bugs me. Dylan well. Maybe wow, he took most, so much right? time, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really, I've always, I've always felt like he was, uh, he was a guy that was going to be a, going to be a player in the league, and, and I think, you know, I hate to think a franchise ruins a player, but in that case, I, wow. I just think he got caught up. Uh, you know, uh, Mike says Brassois. I mean, yeah, there's another guy like he's, he's doing all right. In fact, um, you know, rumored, rumored is a potential uh, target for Edmonton again right so yeah you know, i, I go I, for nothing might as well pay for it and get him back yeah i i mean the whole thing kind of bugs me and i, I would just love to obviously you know it, it's it always comes down to goaltending when you go deep in the playoffs right who has yeah. it and who doesn't have it i mean there's obviously other factors but but still you know it's um you know if if everybody could have a Vasilevsky, right like that would be <laughs> be uh yeah. quite the league and and the Oilers teams uh that you know made it deep always had somebody Rollison you know in 2006 was absolutely outstanding right and um, he got them a yeah. long way i mean even in the um in our in our latest uh in our last um run at Talbot was fantastic right like he played really well and and um you know took us Took us a little ways. You got to have really good goaltending. I wouldn't say though that, um, and I, you know, I say that I, you know, I don't want to put any of that on Mike Smith in the Jet series. I thought he played pretty, pretty yeah, well. He played good enough. Yeah, it wasn't our reason we lost. Uh, it was interesting to hear Lotide say that he, you know, see, seen Ken Holland go through, you know, the motions or the checkdowns for the goalies, right? You know, how he kind of started with Kemper, then worked down to Kudobin and got himself down to Mike Smith. And uh, I find that kind of intriguing at the same time as interesting because, <clears throat> you know, that I, I think Holland is obviously gambling on, on not just some of those defensemen to take a step up, but I think where we're at in our goaltending situation is, is it's, he's going to let it ride. You know, if if we're at this point now, I don't think Koskinen's going anywhere off of this team unless it's to the minors. And maybe that is because Konovalov can take the next step up as a goaltender. Maybe Skinner can mention him, right? right? Skinner, Konovalov, yeah. And so I think if those two guys, you know, one of those two guys, pardon me, you know, and a Bouchard um, and a Lagason or, you know, Benson, like those guys, ha- it's going to be absolutely crucial to our success for those guys and their value contracts to be part of our cap moving forward. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we just see what happens this year, and and the goaltending shakes out how it does. Maybe he gets aggressive during the year, like Low Tide says, and makes a change. But if not, Koskinen just goes away at the end of the year, and yeah, you know, maybe maybe one of the young guys is ready to step up. There's a lot of other goaltenders available at the end of this free agent year coming up for 2022. So, I don't know. You know, the, uh, I mean, the curiosity now, right. I mean, the next big thing for the Oilers has got to be the Yamamoto contract. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of curious what happens there. Obviously they're in contact all the time, but, um, you know, the, the, the part that scares me about this is not necessarily, I know, you know, he's got no arbitration, right. So they'll get him signed. Right. Right. Uh, but, at what cost, right? I mean, if you, you know, if you underpay a guy, 
right? Does he, you know, does he carry some anger towards the team, right? Um, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I think when you see Adam Larson and his agent JP Barry getting ground down by Ken Holland, and then and then he brings in Duncan Keith for five and a half all nonchalantly and gives him his spot on the you know on the Seattle protection list, I I, I guarantee you, if I was Adam Larson, I, I don't know if Adam Larson was, but if I was, I'd be upset. Yeah, well, I mean, there's certainly been some, you know, some thought around that. And and uh, frankly, like I was surprised that um, it seemed like Ethan Bear's comments even, I, you know, I, even though this the city seemed to, you know, uh, surround him and say, hey, you know, that's a couple of bad apples that are being that way. And, and the rest of us love and support you. And, and yet, you know, he still said he needed a fresh start. Um, so, I mean, maybe there's more there. I, well, obviously I think the tippet thing has got to have something to do with it, right? Like if I'm Ethan bear, I feel a little bit, uh, left out to dry when, you know, tippet sort of punishes you for one, you know, one error. Right. And, and yeah, seemingly lets other guys get it, get away with it on a nightly basis. Right. Yeah. You know, when you've played really solid minutes for a team, you've come, you know, prepared and, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just really curious what's going on. I, everybody always talks about, you know, what, uh, what happens in the dressing room, and, and, um, I, you know, I, I'm not too worried about that, but I'm, I, uh, I do have some curiosity about how, you know, certain players respond to Tippett. Coaches always make a big difference, right? Just ask uh, yeah. Mike Commodore, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's. Um, Look Don't sugarcoat it, yeah. Tommy. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He's uh, uh yeah, I played hockey with his brother hey last year or year before. Yeah. Two of them look identical to each other. Oh no. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. Well, you know, the other side of it too, Michael, isn't it? It's just not that like a guy might feel ground down either. Um you know, I it, it could be said that the Oilers potentially made a mistake in, in bridging Darnell twice, right? And and in potentially now, now maybe that opportunity wasn't there. Maybe Darnell wasn't willing to sign that cleft bomb contract for four or four and a half for five or six years. Right. Like, and then COVID hits and it's a flat cap and maybe Darnell says, no, I don't want to do that either. Right. But I think ultimately the Oilers may have made a mistake and not just trusting the player. If you trust the player and you know that, you know, this is a guy that's going to be a part of our core for the next eight years, they, they wouldn't have had to have bought eight years of Darnell. And is that happening with Yamamoto to your point, right? Like if we're going to grind him down to 1.75 or 1.5 and, you know, AVV over two years, and we're trying to give him three when he wants five, well, that's a big difference to him, three to five million to the team. It's, you know, one. But the problem I do have with the league now though, is this, right? Is that, you know, we're grinding Yamamoto down, but he had one like really good season. And one yeah. so-so season, right? But do we trust the player? If yeah. we trust the player, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, but you're sign him for four or five talking, years now. We're not talking that... trusting a guy with twenty bucks, though, <laughs> right? We're talking, we're talking trusting a guy with a couple of mil, right? Yeah. And so, and, and that's you know what it's it's the nature of the league right now, right? Like you, you know, and 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 say it for what it is, right? To get guys to play in Edmonton is just not that easy, right? We love, we love our city, but, um, you know, I mean, frankly, there are other places guys want to play and, and, 
And if, you know, the Larson thing and the Ethan Bear thing are right, I mean, the toxicity of, you know, some Oilers fans just can, can, uh, really get on a player. I, I mean, well, hell, like people were attacking Connor McDavid's girlfriend, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like yeah. they accosted his parents, right? Yeah. Like the fact that yeah. the guy is, you know, still there and, and being a warrior for the Oilers, right? Even though, I mean, it's, I'd be a warrior too if I got paid his money, but sure. But uh, you know, the fact that he's doing that and when he could easily, you know, um demand a trade, I I mean, look at Eichel, right? Like uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, right beside him. I mean, there's yeah. so you know, I, I I'm just curious. Course, I'm curious Connor what uses that maturity. Yeah. yeah, Connor's good. I I mean, obviously, um, you know, and and I've never got the uh impression despite what uh, eastern media says that he wants out but you know over time i mean if it does keep going this way he might but he seems to have and we're going to wind down here but maybe we'll just uh, take a little bit of a turn here how much say do you think I'm, I'm just curious your take on this he actually gets i mean we've they've been talking about this keith thing right that Connor McDavid said he wanted Keith on the yeah. on the roster. I mean, did he? And did he? You know, did he call up? I mean, he obviously had something to do with Barry coming over initially, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, if you look back at this roster ten years from now, you know, is it going to be in the tell-all book from Ken Holland to say Connor McDavid actually ran the team? I think there's going to be some truth to that. Um, I geez, that's a it's a left. That's a tangent for sure. I've got lots to say. How many? How many minutes do we have left? We on? got no minutes, but <laughs> so, <laughs> you, got, you, you know, I, yeah. I think that a lot of say. You know, my short answer is that I heard Tippett on on Cerevelli and and Gregor's DFO rundown. I don't know if yep. you had a chance to listen to that. No, I missed that one. Yet. And 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 he was directly asked the question. You know, Gregor being in this media obviously knows what's being said in this media or in this you know demographic. And and he straight up said, you know, how how much help do you um how much help do you end up providing to Ken Holland for decision-making or something like that into that route? Because, and then his answer was not shocking to anything you and I have been talking about on our respective shows recently is that we also think Dave Tippett was heavily, you know, in, in part of these decisions that he confirmed exactly what you've been saying on your show for, for weeks, Michael, because he, he said that, uh, you know, it's the GM's job to narrow down the list. Once they've narrowed down the list, they absolutely put it in the coach's hands to get their opinions. And the coach, he, he flat out said that the coaches will look towards the players for, for their key opinions. So, you know, if you don't think that McDavid had his say on having Nuge on his wing, it's got to be. Why, why would it take Tippett so long to go to the dry line otherwise? And, yeah. and, you know, for the Keith comments and everything else, there's no doubt in my mind. I think like you Tippett coaches with veterans. He likes to have veterans in front of him. He likes the berries. He likes the Keiths. And that's the way he, he helped Holland construct this team. That's, that's my short answer. All right. I'm going to let you have the last word tonight. <laughs> Ooh, buddy. Uh, well, hey, that is it. There's an honor. So. Hey, well, yeah. Proud to be on uh, on this heavy hockey network with you, my friend, and and thanks for having me on the show. Uh, thanks for letting me co-host. Uh, been a big fan of of Low Tide for a long time. That smooth uh, voice gets me through some of my hard days. So oh, man, uh, 
I, I, re- I really appreciate it. And, and honestly, just thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me part of this. Yeah, if he's listening or not, I mean, he really, and he's good in and, and his memory, right? For like specific plays or specific instances, oh. you know, there's uh, not many better than him. Uh, I have always said, uh, and, and I'm still going to let you have the last word, uh, but I've always said this, that um, one thing Oilers fans need to appreciate is just how good some of the media is that we have. And I think of guys like Bruce McCurdy, I think of low tide, I think of struds, yeah. right. I think of, you know, I love him or hate him, even Stoffer. I mean, that guy like knows stuff like the back, back of his hand. Right. We've got Jack Michaels calling games. Um, you know, uh, I mean, the list goes on, right. There's, there's been our, our share of duds in this, uh, in this <laughs> as well, but, um, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, certainly, um, we've got some of the, some of the greats as well. So I, I, I've always enjoyed that, that I can go and, you know, this DFO rundown now is, is, is really good. And, and Oilers yeah. nation does a great job and, you know, shout out to all those guys, right. They all do, uh, do good work and, and, um, and then they, then they give us time. They come out here and they, yeah. you know, um, give us that time. All right. Having said all of that, we're six minutes over. You get the last word. Uh, anything you want to say, uh, Dash, thanks for having you on. And uh, close it up for us tonight. Awesome, buddy. Well, you know what? Pleasure to be on. Pleasure to have uh, Al give some time to our show. And uh, maybe I'll, I'll finish off with Mike Nurse's famous line from our show on Straight Off the Pipe. And, and uh, keep your stick on the ice and keep reaching for the stars. Let's go, Oilers. Oilers like